0: Thank you, Hunter, our student pastor, reading the word of the Lord uh, we're going to stay there in uh in First Corinthians chapter seven. Uh, there's one other brief passage in second Corinthians chapter six, but i 'll allude to that. Uh, we've been talking this fall about three uh, topics: money, sex, uh, and marriage, and we've been rotating those. Uh, each week, uh, last week, uh, if you were here or or if you heard it, uh, I wanted to do kind of a, a real general overview about a, a biblical view uh, on on sexuality. Today is, and I said this last week. This was kind of part one of part two. today's kind of part two of a general overview. General overview meaning like, what does the Bible say? Uh, what's a, what's a Christian view uh, about marriage? And particularly today, uh, I'm going to focus more, you're going to hear more of single or singleness than marriage because I think that is, that is important, that is vital. Uh, not just because we have singles uh, in our church, but marriage really begins with, with your idea or ideals about marriage as you look to marriage. And so some of us uh, are already married, and I'm not talking about myself here, but uh, some of us are already married, and we may have had the wrong ideas or ideals biblically and from a Christian uh, standpoint about marriage. And, and that can be corrected, but I do think it's important to highlight, like, what is what is marriage to be biblically? And, and we're so saturated in, in our world and culture now with, like, just so many ideas and ideals about marriage that... What this message is attempting to do is really just cut to the chase about, okay, but, but biblically, as a Christian, New Testament Christianity, well, what does it say about, about marriage and, and what is marriage to be? And that begins with being single. And so you're probably going to hear single more. So it is for our singles, but also for uh, our, our married couples to reflect on their marriage. And we're going to keep going uh, through Thanksgiving in this series. Next week we'll we'll pick back up on on money. Uh, we'll actually connect it to what we're calling Grow Three. Uh, you should see that in your in your programs about our mission moving into nineteen. So not just the end of this year, but three ways that we want to grow uh, in our people, uh, in our giving, in our going. Uh, and you will hear more about that next week. And then, really, the last message, at least in in this uh, in this season, uh, about, uh, about sex will be in two weeks, and I'm saving, no pun intended, not the best for last, but uh, I am going to address, I have, not addressed this yet, but same-sex attraction, uh, that week, so I don't know, again, I've, I've said this before, if you want to, like, mark your calendars for, for when you should not be in church, okay, uh, you know, sometimes that happens too, uh, just giving you a little, little heads up on what's, uh, what's going on, and, um, I hope you can be here for that. I put a plug in. I've thought about that a lot. I, have, I do have many friends and some family members that deal with same sex attraction. And so it is a very uh, pertinent, prevalent issue in my life, uh, in our family, and, and something we're going to address. But today, generally, a biblical view singleness uh, and marriage. Let's go back. Hunter didn't read this, but this was used in a previous sermon. 1 Corinthians 7 really is, is a wonderful, practical guideline for the church uh, in living with singles, married, uh, married, uh, married to someone who's not a Christian. So 1 Corinthians 7, uh, verse 27, Paul writes, Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. However, if you do get married... You have not sinned, and if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But such people will have trouble in this life, and I am trying to spare you. This is what I mean, brothers and sisters. The time is limited. So from now on, those who have wives should be as though they had none. I'll, I'll stop right there, okay? Uh, we used that passage a couple of weeks ago. And what Paul is saying is, you know, are you single? You know, that's, that's good, that's okay. Are you married? That's good. Uh, that's okay. The bottom line here, he's saying, like, time is limited, uh, meaning that the kingdom of God is here with us now, it began in its fullness with the resurrection of Christ, and it is continuing to move until when he returns and completes it and and I believe and we 've said this, we believe i mean that 's going to be a literal physical return as uh, as shared manifested in scripture, so he said, Look the kingdom of God is 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 going on right now, so don 't be Paul's really saying, don't be so over-interested, like in your single life or not being married. Don't be too over-interested uh, in your marriage. Uh, only be, like, really, really interested in the kingdom of God. And look, what I'm going to say to you today and really all throughout, it's, it's a radical departure from the things that we hear in the world Look, we don't live in America in a, in a Christian nation, contrary to some folks' beliefs. We don't live in a in a Christian world. We live in it's God's world and God's continuing to claim it. But there are so many forces out there that you know seep and infiltrate our, our minds and our hearts and our, our perceptions and our worldview. So it's important to really go back to scripture. And what Paul's saying is the only thing you should be like totally, completely, ultimately interested in is how your life uh, can manifest, can serve the kingdom of God in your time here on earth. So that's a biblical worldview. That's that's the starting point of being single or being married. Therefore, and listen to this, and this is crazy, and I've, I've thought about it, I've processed it. As a Christian, truly a Christian, biblically, there are only just two reasons that you should get married, okay? One, we covered last week, you know, if you have to have sex, okay. If you have to have sex, we talked about it. You need to get married, Paul said. The second reason, though, is whether your life uh, can reflect, can minister to the kingdom of God better as a single person or a married person. Now, I don't know if you caught that. I don't know if you're like thinking I'm crazy. If if I were you, I would. If I were you, I would think I was nuts because everything that we see here, uh, movies, podcasts. Um, you know, just the, the culture. That is not marriage. That is the biblical view of marriage in New Testament Christianity. And New Testament Christianity is like today Christianity. I mean, two reasons you get married. You got to have sex. Or, you know, well, will my life reflect Christ and the kingdom better married or better single? And the early Christians, I mean, It's radical. But I'm trying to, to lay it to you straight. Uh, therefore, some things happen uh, in our lives. One of those things can be uh, two people marry and they're not Christians, and then one of them becomes a Christian. What well, do you do then? Uh, we've had that in our life as a church, and we have it now. We'll we'll continue to have it. Uh, the other thing is, well, what if I you know remain single? What if I really think in my life that God can use me better as being married, and yet I don't get married and I'm single. What happens then? 1 Corinthians 7 addresses those issues uh, as we read about. Uh, And I love this because it really gives us hope. You know, this whole chapter, I really would encourage you, if you hear nothing else I say today, uh, hear this. Take uh, your Bible and just read slowly over 1 Corinthians 7. It's a practical model of what the church should be as married couples, families, as single people, as Someone who's a Christian married to a non-believer together. It's a beautiful, wonderful depiction of that. But the passage, verse 10 through 16, 1 Corinthians 7, this is addressing what happened in Corinth, what happens today when someone marries and they become a Christian and the spouse is not, whether it's a husband and wife. And again, uh, we've had that in both instances here. Paul writes, verse 13, also if any woman has an unbelieving husband and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce her husband. For the unbelieving husband is made holy by the wife and the unbelieving wife is made holy by the husband. Look at verse 16. Wife for all you know, you might save your husband. Husband for all you know, you might save uh, your wife. Uh, I want to say that today for those here uh, and if, 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 I don't know, if you're not here and you're listening on the podcast, because this happens over uh, and over again in our world, in, in the church. And I'd love to encourage you as a husband, uh, if your wife, if you know in your heart your wife is not a believer. Uh, wife, if you know in your heart your husband is not a believer. And God is working through you. God can work through you in, in a powerful uh, way, biblically. And we believe Scripture. I mean, you may be the means whether you realize it or not, to save your husband or to save uh, your wife, the Holy Spirit can work through you. And then another instance, if you're single and you're like, well, I really want to be married. Uh, or, you know, I, I know this, uh, this young lady who has a, a very, very strong ministry. Uh, she's not, she doesn't work in the church. But I would encourage, if you're single She's written a lot through for Gospel Coalition, Bethany Jenkins, and she's 40-plus. And uh, I've met her a couple times through similar circles. She's very driven, worked in D.C., Columbia Law School, worked uh, in New York, and then went into ministry. And she's written a lot of pieces about being in her 40s and still single, and you know, that that was never the, the life, the vision that she had intended, but that how God is using her. And she refers to this passage a lot about, in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul say in verse 32, he said, I want you to be without concerns. The unmarried man is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But the married man is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. The unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy in both body and spirit. But the married woman is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. I'll stop there. Paul is saying, you know, I wish that you had this gift that I did. That is, of, of being not just being single, but not needing romantic relationships or attachments so much. And that if you are single, then God can greatly use you uh, in this world. But, as we talked about last week, this needs to be a place, and every church needs to be a place, uh, where singles really feel the freedom, the security, uh, the safety of a community, that you know they're, they're not always having to be out there self-merchandising themselves. So, like, get dates or, you know, thinking about who they're going to marry, that God is at work and there's a trust in the Lord and in their church family. But uh, if you're single here, uh, and and we have some and we've always had some, and God can work in your life today. And the culture is saying you need to put the idol of particularly in our culture, okay? Maybe not in, I don't know, New York or L.A. or something, but particularly in our culture. You need to move towards the idol of marriage. And look, marriage is great. But I want you to trust that the Lord can work through you, you know, right now in your life. Now, all that to say, uh, you know, the main thing in this is that whether you're married or single, the bottom line, you got to be married to Christ first. And we've talked about that picture about, like, are you, you know, do you just believe in Christ or are you married to Christ? Is he your true spouse? If you're not married to Christ, if he's not your true spouse, and you are married in this world, then you're going to put too much pressure on your marriage to ultimately complete, fulfill, satisfy you. And the weight is something that it cannot bear. Just saying. Uh, If you're single, and if Christ is not your true spouse, you are going to put too much pressure on the idea of marriage to fulfill, complete, satisfy you, that it's going to ultimately crush you and perhaps crutch your eventual marriage. Before anything, Jesus has to be our true spouse. If you're a Christian, Jesus has to be your true spouse, first and foremost uh, and always. Uh, Therefore, as I've said, 1 Corinthians 7, I mean, you know, I've been reading it this week. It's a picture of who I want this church to be where you've got uh, men and women who are married to someone who's not a believer, and yet they find rest and comfort in this community, and the Lord is working in their life, and they trust that. They're married people who are Christians that are, are serving together, but also mentoring people who are single, And so you have this fabric, this network, a diversity of relationships that are coming together to form uh, this beautiful, wonderful, nurturing community of one another. And so, you know, if you're married to someone who's not a believer, you've got great faith. If you're married, you have great faith that even amidst hardships, God's working. If you're single, you have great faith. I mean, 1 Corinthians 7 is a great picture of faith for the life of the church, and I wish we had, and this is not knocking us, but like I want us to move more and have more of that where there is this comfort and security because relationships, it is what drives us. And in, again, in our culture, often marriage drives us. All right, let's hit some challenges real quick and then I want to, uh, I'm gonna share, and again, this is generally, I wanna share some guidelines. I mean, if you're, if you're single, if you're a Christian, like what's your dating life? What should it look like? Uh, but the challenge would be, there's the idol of marriage. If you're single, hey, you got this idol probably of freedom and independence and like you know, wanting, to, uh, wanting to keep that as long as you can. You may want to keep that even you know, when you're married or while you're married, uh, which can uh, not work out so well, uh, as some of us may know. But in dating, you're just self-merchandising. I mean, you're literally selling yourself. And the culture we live in, again, that is the culture of dating. You're selling yourself. You're self Merchandising. But the Bible, marriage is not to be about our personal satisfaction. It's to be about our personal sanctification. Big word there. And sanctification means growing in Christ. Marriage is one of the greatest tools on earth to help you see, and look, I know this. You can ask my wife to see your own sin and to know the gospel. You know this. I mean, marriage in, in the Bible, marriage in Christianity, it's not the first deal is not that it's about our satisfaction. It's about our sanctification, to see your own sin, to know the gospel. Uh, for those who are single, in, in dating, uh, the priorities are usually uh, looks, uh, chemistry, social chemistry, sexual chemistry, uh, and money. You know, can this person, you know, are, are, they, making it, are they together? Are they organized? Are they, they got everything, you know, worked out? Those are really the three priorities now. Uh, it's not necessarily, you know, from a Christian standpoint, it should be faithfulness to the Lord, uh, their character, their integrity, uh, those things that uh, really will last uh, throughout uh, a lifetime. That's a challenge. That's one of the challenges of our culture. You, know? uh, you date, you look to looks, you look to appearance, you look for that really the outward things more than the inward things. And some of us have all been, been guilty uh, of that. And then often people will avoid dating. This is a challenge too because of broken families that they've that they've been in. Um, maybe they've gone through a divorce already. They're new to Christian faith, and they're like, you know, this is this, a Christian view of dating is really different than the culture's view of dating. Or they just love their freedom and independence so much that you know they're not going to seriously date. So I want to I want to uh, I give a quick. <laughs> This may or may not interest you. I think, it's, I think it's interesting where we are. You know, last week I talked about how we got here as a culture and sexuality. So this week, you know, how do, how do we get here in this sense of dating and, you know, singleness to marriage, relationships? So a little history, okay, real quick. Before, and some of you may or may not remember this, okay, before 1910, okay, before 1910, really the word dating wasn't in existence. It was courting. Y'all remember, anybody remember that out there when you went and courted? Okay. You courted, and the man would, would call upon the woman, but he would do so by coming to the home with the family, literally, like sitting with the family, assessing family, character, uh, their life together, and that was, that was courting. He would call on uh, the lady. Sometime after World War I, it changed to uh, going out, or what we know of as dating, where the man would invite the woman to to go out and have fun at, you know, something that he he thought would be a good time. And, you know, I got this from a book. It's an interesting title, From the Front Porch to the Back Seat. It's kind of, uh, it says a lot, you know, which is very true. Uh, It's written by a lady named Beth Bailey, a Christian, and it was about dating singleness from the front porch to the back seat. And how the the shift from courtship to dating, it changed the whole dynamics where before then you had the power really reside with the woman because the man had to go into the home, parents were there checking things out, they were were sussing him out, he was at uh, a vulnerable place. And that changed to where really the man had the power that he could choose where they were going, what they were doing, the setting. And so there was a, there was a shift in, in power there. There was also a shift in values because the courtship, you looked at character integrity first and family. And, you know, if you visited, that she said, or she wrote, if you visited the home, you'd also visit in a place of worship or out in the community. And past that, you, you know, the focus was on having a good time, uh, chemistry, looks, even sexual chemistry. And so there was this, you know, dynamic shift. And now, interestingly, some Christians have said, hey, we should really go back to the previous model, like before 1910, and call on or court uh, the person and maybe go into the home, you know, and look for things. Christians are really talking about this now. And and it's kind of, you know, there's some problems there, too. I mean, number one, if if you, you know, live hours from your hometown, you can't, you know, and and you're in your late 20s or 30s, I mean, that's kind of weird. And, and also, they're just, they're just difficult in dating because then you're kind of making an idol out of the family or their family. So they're just challenges. So, you know, what do we do as the church? You know, if you're single, if you're married, you have single people in your family. If you're married, you have a, a son or daughter going into adulthood. What are the guidelines for dating? So I want to list a few uh, real quick. And again, this is a general overview, but I want to be really clear uh, about this uh, for everybody, Okay. I think you should really look at dating as having seasons for marriage seeking. This is if you're single or if you've got friends, family, or single, this would be my advice. For example, sometimes, you know, I mean, in our world today, you have you have events, you have things that where you, you go out, hang out, and it's dating. shouldn't always be marriage seeking, but there are certain times where you're like, you know, I need to... I need to be marriage-seeking, as weird as that sounds. But in your mind, you could say, you know, this particular time season in my life should be when I am intentionally looking for who my future partner uh, could be and a good fit. I know that sounds like weird, but you don't have to say it, you can do it in your mind. But I do think that that's something that singles should be very intentional about and not be frivolous in their dating, okay? I think that happens all too often. Now, the reason I say there should be a balance there is if you're just always marriage-seeking, then you become too legalistic and judgmental. Uh, trust me, I know this from talking to folks. And if you just are never marriage-seeking, you're, you're pretty much, you can be like the younger brother in the prodigal son and always looking to have a good time and you manipulate emotions. You do. With the other person. So there should be some type of balance and there should be open communication about it. Particularly if, uh, if you're older and gained a little bit more maturity, and when the seasons of marriage-seeking are. Don't allow, let me say this is real important. Don't allow yourself, it's real important. Don't allow yourself to become emotionally involved with someone who's not a Christian. This is the other passage I wanted to read real quick, and it's in Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. It says, don't become partners with those who do not believe. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? What agreement does Christ have with Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Uh, now, I'm saying stuff, some of you may be thinking, man, you are nuts. And I would say, I'm just glad you're here. Because, yeah, this is, this is totally different. You know, it's kind of like date who you want. It makes you feel good. You're attracted to I know, look, I know, I know. My wife can tell you, I know, okay? But I regret, I regret. So not only do I know. And I'm calling people as Christians to live a different way. And if you're a believer, you should not allow yourself to become emotionally involved with an unbeliever. Now, technically, the Bible says nothing about Christians dating non-Christians because the Bible says nothing about dating. But it is very explicit that Christians should not marry non-Christians. Now, if you are married and you become a Christian and your spouse is not a Christian, we already talked about that. But the Bible is very explicit. If you're a Christian, you should not marry a non-believer. Why is that? Well, if Christ, if you're a Christian, then Christ is everything you are. Like real deal Christian. I'm not just saying like, hey, I believe and I'm, you know, getting my, you know, Fire insurance, you know, hell free, and let's just go have a, as good of a life as I can. I don't even know if that's being a Christian, if you want to be real. I'm talking about real deal Christianity where Christ is, is all in all to you. Then that person is not going to know you if they're not a Christian because they don't know Christ. Uh, therefore, you know, don't allow yourself. And, but the mind is weak and emotions are weak. So I'm saying it. This a guideline. Don't allow yourself to get emotionally involved with a non-believer because they need to know Jesus. Uh, I would say this, let your attraction be comprehensive. When I say comprehensive, not just looks, not just bank account or perceived bank account, but like Galatians 5. You know Galatians 5, the fruits of the Spirit. What are the fruits of the Spirit? You know, kindness, gentleness, you can look those up. Let it be comprehensive, integrity, faithfulness. Uh, Another thing that I would uh, encourage you to do is put friendship first, okay? And again, this is for you singles, this is for looking at marriage, people that you know looking for marriage. Really put friendship first. Engage with them in a, if you're a Christian, I would say this. If you're not a Christian, I would, this is what you should do. Engage with them in a Christian community, in church, small groups, service, mission trips. I mean, do that first. I mean, see, uh, watch. It's very important, uh, one another. Uh, get input from your cr- Christian community. So that would be the church. And I'm stressing all this, and you're like, you know, I hope we can do this. I do too. This is what the church should be. The church should be this community where, again, believers who are married to non-believers, people who are married, single people, can come together. And there's this network, okay, uh, and you get input from your community about, hey, you know, you know, what do you really think of this guy? What do you think of this girl? You know, would it be a good fit? This is what I want. Instead of like, you know, you know checking with, um, frankly, people who might not be believers or who might be out partying with you, you know, if you live that lifestyle and, you know, what do you think about him? Well, he, he looks good or he's cute or she blah, 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 or he's, you know, making money. I mean, like all that is, it does not lead to what we want. Because what we want is fulfillment, uh, purpose, um, security, faithfulness, integrity, all of those things that are fruits of the Spirit that lead to a long life together in marriage. And that, that is the, that's what marriage is to be in, in the Bible and for Christians. So last, uh, and I'm going to close up right now. And again, I want to give a general overview, but last, I mean, a gospel-centered marriage. You know, I believe some of those guidelines can lead to a, it can either lead you to addressing your singleness in a very healthy way or it can lead to a gospel-centered marriage. And a gospel-centered marriage, is, it's really simple. I mean, it can be two vastly different people, totally different. Just ask us, okay? Is it like me and my wife? Or maybe ask your wife. Very different, different backgrounds, and different nationalities, language, all that. That's happened in the history of the church, happens today. But you gotta be at the same place spiritually. You gotta be willing to walk with one another in the challenge of life and in the challenges and questions of their faith. And you gotta be able to share your joys, uh, and your longings, and so that you walk through life together. That's, that's all it is, the gospel of sin of marriage. So that's simple. And if you start your foundation, and that's what you're looking for, and I, I believe follow some of those guidelines which are biblical, you move into that. But, but final question for me, and, you know, if, if you, uh, or actually it's two questions, same question I asked last week. If you think in your mind, if you think in your mind, well, I, you know, I don't know, this is not that important. Or if you think in your mind that you know, it's you know, look, I'm here and it's church and like things that I used to think of when I would float in and out of churches. Then the most important question is, who are you with Jesus, or who is Jesus to you, or however you want to ask, who is Jesus to you? Because uh, I know my desire and and my prayer for this community is that it continues to grow in authenticity but like authenticity of like real deal Christianity where Christ is our all in all. And that's a different way of living. It is loving neighbors and nations, but it is also saying, you know, we're, I'm gonna be different as I walk as someone who is, uh, who is single. Uh, I'm gonna look to marriage uh, in a different way. I'm gonna believe that even if my Wife or husband is not a believer. Man, God is working through me in great ways and I have great faith and I have great joy. I'm gonna believe if I'm single that God's working in my life in the here and now and he's gonna use me not being married in the purposes that he sees fit. It's great faith if you're married. It's like God's called us into a community of the church and there are people struggling in faith, but they're also struggling because one of their spouse might not be a believer or the single may need some guidance. And we have some married folks who are shepherding people. It's this network, it's this fabric, it's this, it is beautiful, and it's wonderful. And all churches need to move to that. But it takes you saying, who is Jesus to me? And really, again, if you heard nothing else, go back and look and read slowly. Just 1 Corinthians 7. And kind of line up your life with that and see where you fit. That's as good of an exercise as as anything. But we have a moment now for the Holy Spirit to work. A moment we can ask, who is Jesus to us? Who are we as a church body? Do we meet any of that that I just said? We have a moment because we're going to take communion together. So as we prepare to that, I, I invite all of you to come forward and take communion. But it is an opportunity, it's an invitation to say, Christ, you will be my all in all because you have given your all for me. And he did, and that's what we believe, that Christ gave his entire life for you, for us. So as we come forward and we take the bread and we dip it in the cup, not only do we remember that, but it's an invitation because some of you, I do believe, every Sunday, need to say, you know, Christ, I want to make you my all at all And I want to change the way I look at my singleness. Or I want to change the way I look at my marriage. Or I want to change the way I look at my church family. And this is an opportunity. So we take communion. Uh, we give as the Lord has given you. We're thankful for that. We pray. And we worship together. Let's do that now. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that we can be more a community of people who just, Jesus is their all-in-all. And that totally changes Uh, A lot of our our lifestyles, it does. And that's hard. And that's why we can't do it alone and why we need a community. I just pray for this community. I pray for this church. There are so many marriage struggles that I know about uh, that uh, many in this community don't know. There's so many single struggles that I know about. uh, So many broken marriages that I know. So I, Lord, you have gifted gifted me and, and others here with knowing the situations of personal lives that are beautiful but yet broken. And so I pray for healing that can be found in scripture and by your spirit and in your church that we would help heal one another and be a vibrant community for Christ uh, that loves one another, whatever our relational status is. But let our primary status be seen as a child of God and that you are all for what you've done. It is in your precious name we pray, amen.